Welcome to the Founding Fearless podcast. We're your hosts, Ingrid and Cameron, and we're here to support you through your journey in becoming a fearless leader and discovering your inner confidence. We are talking all things entrepreneurial through a college woman's lens. We hope to leave you feeling empowered after each episode. Enjoy! In this episode, we are interviewing Kaylee Christina. Kaylee Christina is the co-founder and COO of ClearStem, a non-toxic, anti-aging, and anti-acne skincare line. As a certified holistic nutritionist, published author, podcaster, and investor of wellness brands, Kaylee has a deep passion for making a positive impact into other people's lives. Her journey into the skincare world began when she developed numerous health issues, a breast tumor and severe cystic acne in her mid-20s, and tried in vain to find a cure. After countless doctors, dermatologists, and specialists, no one could figure out what was going on. That's when she took matters into her own hands and discovered San Diego Acne Clinic, where she met her co-founder, Danielle Gronich. Not only did her acne clear up, but through their sessions, the duo discovered their mutual passion for helping other acne sufferers achieve clear skin through internal and external methods without sacrificing their health. That's when Clear Stem Skincare was born. As an inspiring leader in the entrepreneurship and wellness industry, Kaylee loves talking about all things gut health and holistic wellness, the real root causes of acne, building a community-based CPG brand, scaling a company without outside investment, leading with education first and product second, investing in other wellness brands, and the importance of having a co-founder therapist for the health of the founders and company. Please welcome Kaylee Christina to the Founding Fearless podcast. We're so excited to have Kaylee Christina, the co-founder of ClearStem, on the podcast today. Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Awesome. So we wanted to start out and hear a little bit about yourself. So where you grew up, where you went to school, all like the beginning parts of Kaylee. Yeah, so I'm from Pittsburgh. So I now live in L.A., Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I went to school in North Carolina. So I did four years there. I went to High Point University. And then my first job out of college was in Cleveland. And it was actually in professional sports. I used to work for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, A year later, I I had enough of the the East Coast (laughs) winter. I'd spent, you know, 22 years in it. um, And I booked it out to San Diego. Um, I lived in San Diego for about eight years. And I've been up in LA for a year and a half now. I love it. Wow, that's so cool. I love, I always love learning about like the backgrounds of people and then like seeing where they are today. Um, So Growing up, did you see yourself becoming a co-founder of a company or did you have like an entrepreneurial passion? Um, What was that like initial interest that sparked you into entrepreneurship? It's so funny to reflect back on because everything I did made sense that I would one day be an entrepreneur, but in my head, I never even knew that was an option. Um, Growing up in Pittsburgh, very blue collar town. Um, Everyone in my family is teachers that I was never around anyone that was an entrepreneur. And even, even the people growing up that had their own businesses, like in my hometown, it was a lot of um, like construction or landscaping business, just because Pittsburgh's such a blue collar town, like it's a steel town. And so, yeah, it was a lot of like 
friends, uh, some of my friends that I had, their families own construction companies or building companies and stuff like that. So of course, like I was never interested in any of that. And that's what I saw as quote, owning your own company. There was no one that had products or businesses. Like there was someone who owned like chiropractor, like private doctor's offices. But again, I wasn't exposed to anyone owning a product-based business. So it wasn't even a thought that I had at all. I had no one in my family who had gone off and been an entrepreneur. So I always just thought, you know, you graduate high school, you go to college and you get, you get a job. And I was always very fascinated by the corporate world in general. I loved business and marketing and communication. So I always saw myself working in that for another company. And when I became so passionate about wellness in general, I've been passionate about wellness for a really long time. I was an athlete when I was younger. I always thought that I'd work for like a health and wellness brand at some point, but again, I, I never thought about owning my own company. But when I look back to like everything I did when I was younger, I'm like, how didn't I ever see that? I think it was a thing. Like when I was younger, um, I would put like flyers around my neighborhood saying I'd be like cleaning people's houses. I did lemonade stands so many times and like beyond the normal lemonade stand, I'd like raid my parents' pantry and have like <laughs> cookies, like all the things out there. One time, I think I was like nine or 10 or something. And I was hosting a lemonade stand. And again, I wanted really different beverages in the lemonade stand. And I raided my parents' refrigerator in the down the basement refrigerator that had like alcoholic drinks in it. And I was selling beer on like on the streets of my neighborhood at my lemonade stand. <laughs> neighbors like when told my parents just like joke because they all thought it was funny right I was like nine or ten years old and my parents had to like be like we love the creativity like doing something different not lemonade but this is illegal (laughs) I was literally selling beer at my lemonade stand and then I would host carnivals in my backyard where I'd like set up all these different games and give the kids we lived in like a really cool neighborhood it was like a dead-end street tons of kids my age um we'd set up all these games and have like get those little like red ripoff tickets and everyone like give money to get tickets to play all the games and I'd give away like my stuffed animals and toys as prizes so like I was constantly doing all these things but I just thought it was fun um and yeah looking back I'm like that makes total sense but I don't know I'd never put it together but as I got older and when I was working a corporate job after college I knew what like seeing all these amazing health and wellness brands. And I feel like there was like an eruption of people starting brands. Um, This was back in like 2015, I would say, like people building a lot of different health and wellness brands. I, that was the first light bulb that went off and I was like, oh, I can do that. I see other people doing that. And, but I was willing to be patient. I was like keeping an eye on what everyone else was doing. I was testing products. I was loving it. I was like one day, like the opportunity is going to present itself and then I'll be able to, but I'm not in a rush to create my own company. I was like, when the idea is so strong with inside of me, I'm just going to know. Um, and that's what ended up happening. Yeah. So what did Pearson <laughs> happen and, you know, talk to us just about what it is and how it came about from that point on. Yes. So I was in my mid twenties. I was 24 years old when I decided to get off birth control. I've been on birth control since I was like 14 because of acne. I decided to get off birth control and my skin just completely freaked out. It went, it went haywire and I broke out bright red cystic acne, like really, really inflamed everywhere. And the first thing I do is go to my doctor and the doctor's like, well, you got to go back on birth control. 
And I was like, but I don't want to, like, I'm so, so passionate about health and wellness. I was like really proud of myself for wanting to do everything naturally, just like a personal choice, but it was getting increasingly bad. And on top of this, I was spending so much money on different, like listening to all marketing that was out there for skincare. I was spending money on like $300 serums to like rubbing coconut oil all over my face. Like I was doing everything. Um, I was seeing a bunch of estheticians. They were trying to extract, like nothing was working. One last Google search, a pop San Diego acne clinic. So I'm like, okay, finally someone that like specialized in acne. That's what I've been searching. The amount of times I Googled like acne dermatologist, acne, like so many times. <laughs> um, so up pops it. And so Danielle, my now co-founder in ClearStem, that's her first business, a San Diego acne clinic. So I, I go there and I have to be Danielle's last client of the day. So we literally spent three hours together. The first hour and a half, we went through every supplement I was taking, skincare I was using, hair care I was using, what I was eating. And though I learned so many things getting my degree in nutrition, there's a lot of acne nuances that aren't addressed in either Eastern medicine or Western medicine that no one had ever told me. And no one, like I never went to the dermatologist and once did they say, does your foundation have poor clogging ingredients in it? Cause it's a huge cause of acne. No one ever said that to me. <laughs> so I'm like, what the heck? So we realized I had 12 different acne triggers going on. We removed all 12 of those um, from my diet and lifestyle. And then I got on a proper skincare routine. Danielle was actually formulating our very first clear stem product at the time. She was just working with a chemist. And so I would test it with her. We'd like geek out over it. Um, and in a matter of two months, my skin was completely clear with no scar damage. Um, from then Danielle and I just really knew we were onto something like from, from my side, I was at this time, I was still working my corporate job, but I was health and wellness blogger. I was doing one-on-one, -on -one, um, nutrition counseling with both brands and people. And I was like, no one knows this information. Like all these acne nuances. Um, I was like, I have a lot of friends in the health and wellness space, in the blogging space, in the influencer space. No one is talking about any of this. And we got deeper and deeper into developing products and testing them and realizing they were working. And so we decided to go into business together because we realized that you know, there's really this missing gap with anti-aging and anti-acne. You have all of these acne, these anti-acne products that are just ruining your skin. Um, I mean, they're really, really harsh for your skin. They're ripping it apart and they're destroying the skin barrier, which in turn causes accelerated aging to the skin. And then you have all these anti-aging products that are filled with poor clogging ingredients that are breaking you out, filled with these toxic filler agents, and it's causing more acne. And so we realize like we can create a brand that's helping with acne and aging at the same time in a cleaner, better for you way. Well, it's so incredible how you found a hole essentially in the market and then you experienced it yourself, right? And then you're able to team up and create a solution for that. That's really incredible. You know, something we always like to talk about uh, on the podcast, especially when companies are created by co-founders, is how you met your co-founder, which you already shared with us. But what aspects did you look for in Danielle, your co-founder, um, that made you realize, okay, like she's the person that I want to build my company with. So I think we did a little bit, op a little bit of op 
the, the opposite way, but I can really share advice on this subject. So for instance, like we didn't seek each other out to start a company together. It really naturally happened. Like she was building the product. I had a lot of experience in the marketing PR and like branding side of things. And so her having creating, formulating this insane product that really worked and me having the branding and growth brain of like taking it to market just really worked. So it naturally happened together. But I would say for anyone that has a really good idea and is either looking for a co-founder or maybe two friends have an idea and they're trying to figure out like, are we, do we have the right partnership to take this to the next level as co-founders? It's really important that you complement each other's skill sets, but they need to be opposite. Like Danielle and I have very opposite skill sets, and that's what works so well. But opposite skill sets that are complementary can like fit together like puzzle pieces. But you guys have the same goal in mind. You always need to be working towards the same goal. So Danielle and I are always aligned goal-wise, like how we're going to grow, what we want, what our brand values and mission are, how we want to build this team. Of course, we don't we don't agree on everything, but we have such strong communication that we're, we want to talk through it. We remove any egos from it. It's like, what's best we like remove ourselves from it. What is best for our company's vision and goals and what big picture, what we really, really want of this. And then we can chat through maybe what we disagree on, on, um, certain job function, like someone, someone hiring or the order of which we're hiring or a marketing idea. And we, we talk through it and we always hit a middle ground because Danielle has amazing, amazing points. I have amazing points. They align big goal wise, but we might have two ways of going about it and know and knowing and understanding that we both have two ways of going about it because our brains are so different and that serves us in such positive ways. We're able to understand what each other are saying to make sure it fits complementary for our growth. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I feel like it's so important for co-founders to be like aligned on their values. And like you said, to kind of, you have strengths in places that Danielle might have weaknesses and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So what did kind of the early days of ClearStem look like? And how did you guys go from like, just having this idea from when you met Danielle and like this idea of creating a skincare line to distribution and production and things like that? Like what was kind of that like pipeline? What did it look like? Yeah. So Danielle had the relationship with the chemist that we still work with to this day. So she was formulating the physical product. And then you obviously have to bottle the product, label it, seal it, ship it. And so for the first two, two and a half years, we did all of that ourselves. So we'd get the product in like huge multi-gallon jugs shipped to us. And we would self-fill. We got like the blue cobalt bottles that you can get from like line or like packaging and containers, like all like all the <laughs> online ones, we get like the blue cobalt bottles with the little dropper tops to it. And we got label, you can get labels printed from like anywhere now. So we got label design label printed. So in the very beginning, we self applied by hand, every label to the bottle, filled it, sealed it. And then we'd have like a huge batch of those. And then we built our website on Shopify. And I had a label maker. It's like $45 off like Amazon or at Staples. And it was like plugged in to the USB of my computer and Shopify. You can like, when an order comes in, you can click print, it prints out the label and the label maker, put it on like a bubble mailer, stick the clear stem serum in and ship it out. So that was the beginning. And then I remember the very first exciting thing was when we placed a large enough 
order for our bottles where the label could be applied for us. So then we had the bottle sent to us with the label on it. So all we had to do is fill it, seal it, ship it from there. And then when we, after about two, two and a half years, we, when we went from one product to four, we added, so our very first one was our Celery Serum. That's the blue one now. The three that we added was our Gentle Clean Cleanser, our Vitamin Scrub, and our Clarity Serum. We couldn't get those like shipped to us and fill them because the face washes, they were like way too big. Like it just wasn't going to work. So um, by this point, we had enough money to invest in um, our manufacturer to do that for us. And then also a shipping warehouse too. So we had a manufacturer that like, we basically send what we had from the chemist. We um, schedule the shipments to our manufacturer. They would order the bottles and labels, apply it all, fill it in machines, package it up in massive boxes, ship it to our warehouse center. And then our warehouse center would fulfill all the individual orders on our site. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's incredible though. I always love hearing it, especially like at the beginning when the founders are actually like doing it from hand. That's, it sounds like exactly what you were doing. So many old videos that are like old school Snapchat quality of us filling bottles, (laughs) like so grainy, so awful, but like, it's so funny, like time-lapsed ones and like boomerangs and boomerangs were like the thing to do. And like so many of those from years ago. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I want to talk about funding. Funding I know is a huge aspect in entrepreneurship. It's really how, you know, a company can start, how you can start, you know, getting your idea into commercialization. So how did the funding process look like for ClearSTEM? Yeah, so there's really two ways to go about it. We didn't take any outside funding. Um, it actually didn't cost that much to get started. We ended up having a chemist that really believed in our mission and was able to develop things for a really uh, small R&D fee. And then again, because we were just ordering the gallon jugs and the blue cobalt bottles in the beginning, like maybe $2,000, like all in all, like all said and done just that. And if that, like it, it really was not that expensive um, in the beginning. And that's what allowed us to really grow and make money. And then the money that we made to be able to just directly reinvest in the beginning, like neither Danielle and I took a salary in the beginning. We just continued to just reinvest, reinvest. Um, and we reinvested in inventory in the beginning. Um, and then all of our marketing was free. Like we didn't do any performance ads. We didn't pay for influencers. Like we ran our own socials. So nothing besides our bottles, our labels, the original R&D fee, which we didn't have to pay again, and then buying the bulk product, um, and then a really small website fee, but like Shopify charges, th- those were our only payments in the beginning. And um, so we were able to self-fund that, reinvest, and what's really important to know, like, well, firstly, the second way of going about it is you can do fundraising and then use that money to build out everything, Right. Um, You can do like a friends and family round in the beginning, which is what a lot of people do. Um, But it really depends if you can like bootstrap and pay for yourself or fundraising, depending on what industry you're looking to go into. So for example, like tech, a lot of people have to do fundraising for tech or like give up a ton of equity to engineers to build out the app because it's really, really expensive to build tech and build an app. 
And then it usually takes a few years to do. And then you typically don't make money for a while. Um, so that's one industry. And then the food and beverage industry, it's like your product costs so low, right? Like think about like an Olipop or a Poppy. It's like what, $3.99, $2.79. I think they're in like the twos and threes at this point. Like, and it costs, I don't know what if it costs like a dollar to make, you're making max $2 and everything. I think it's like the margins are probably even worse than that. I don't know, but really low margins, especially if your product's two, three, five, 10, $15. So you're making a couple dollars on everything. And so you really have to go after quantity. Like you have to get those huge purchase orders, sell a lot to even start making any money. So a lot of times you don't have the money to actually build the product that you want, especially if it's like, if it's a refrigerated product, like that costs even more. Um, if you have to buy custom manufacturing equipment, um, it's just way more like capital money intensive skincare. You have a little more flexibility. Um, it's not as expensive as you would think to create, um, like, cause of the, the raw ingredients itself, like hyaluronic acid, like all these different ones. It's not like it costs like a hundred dollars per bottle. You can do it in a really cost-effective way. And so it's important to make sure that when you're setting the price for your product, that you're keeping in mind how much it costs to like physically make the product, how much all, how much all the packaging costs, um, how much storage fees and shipping costs, how much it's costing to bottle everything. And then on top of that, um, like all your payments for a website, when you're going to have employees, um, when like all the, like we're going to have a marketing budget to build into it as well. So you have to think like the cost of your product, you have to make money off of it to be able to invest back into the company, to pay employees, to have a marketing budget, to do events, like all those different things. So making sure that you're setting the price accordingly. Um, but beauty can be done a little bit more bootstrap than some other industries can. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And speaking of building your team and hiring employees, how did you guys know that it was time to expand your team? And like, what were some characteristics that you were looking for in those people that you guys were adding? Danielle, I've always operated really lean, which I, I value. And I always tell everyone to do the same because I, I feel like you can see a lot of companies that do a fundraise, hire like 40 employees and they're like laying off a ton. And it's because they're just like hiring to fill all of these gaps when really in the beginning, it's it's good if a lot of employees are wearing a lot of different hats and it's a smaller team that's like really building the culture and the understanding of the brand. So our very first employee was actually customer service because at that two, two and a half year mark when we got the manufacturer and the shipping warehouse, um, all of a sudden, all day, every day, because we were selling a lot more. I feel like I was getting a ton of customer service emails and dealing with shipping and all the logistics that I couldn't even get any of my own personal work done or anything to grow the brand because I was being customer service. And we're like, well, that's that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like my zone of genius is not customer service. So we hired some for customer service to offload that. And I went back to building the brand. And then after that, we noticed social was taking a lot of efforts, especially if you want to be posting and creating content on all platforms, like that's a full-time job. So that was our second hire that we made was to offload all social media. Um, from there, 
it was partnerships. So um, Colleen, who's on our team now, started off, um, she was actually working her full-time job and working for us on the side, just like interning and then ended up being hired her, but she built out our influencer and ambassador program. Um, So really we've waited to see what becomes such a weight on Danielle and I that isn't in our zone of genius, right? Like Danielle's zone of genius is creating amazing products and doing all the formulation, the science behind it, um, the studies behind it, all of that. Well, mine is a lot more in like brand growth. So whether it's like marketing, like marketing strategy, coordinating with all of our different people on our marketing team and like really having the overarching brand goals and marketing and working towards that, getting us into like different events, podcasts, all different areas of brand growth, um, e-commerce growth, email, you name it. And so every time there's been an area of the business that weighs on us, it takes us out of our zone of genius and is sucking all of our time. That's when we know we need to hire in that area to offload that, to get us back into our areas where we're most successful. That's really smart. Yeah. I feel like that's something that I I hear all the time is that if you want to remain passionate in what you do, you need to focus on that. And so it sounds like you guys have really mastered that, which is really awesome. Uh, And I know you just mentioned, you were talking a little bit about social media on there. And I was asking, wanted to ask you this um, because I feel like I see clear STEM all over the place on social media. And I feel like you guys have really good community on there. So how do you leverage social media um, and build this community. And then what are your tips for social media strategy? I know we have a lot of listeners um, on the podcast that are interested in this and are always looking for more growth um, for their companies. Yes, you have to understand that building a community takes time. There's a lot of people that just think by putting on a ton of content, you're just all of a sudden going to build a community. But it really started from the beginning. I mean, I I was in the DMs from the very beginning and I'd answer every single person, every single question people would ask. We'd turn around and create content around that. And so one of our core values is be one with the customer. And what's so it's really important to us is we answer all the DMs and emails when people are asking us different questions, skin questions, sharing their story. And being there for our customers and helping them and going above and beyond just, you know, pointing them towards products. Like we give a lot of advice and tips. And I think that's, what's built such a strong community on top of that, how much we educate has really transformed people's skin and wellness journeys in general. And that's created a really strong community, like people following our steps to actually clear their skin and seeing it happen. And then when they see a friend go through the same thing, it's like, hey, go listen to this podcast on clear skin or here's this masterclass or this resource that they have that can help you and it helps someone else. It creates a really strong word of mouth and collective community with it. So it's really important to us that we're always creating content that's driving value and making people feel seen and heard. And that's always been a core mission of ours. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And okay, switching gears a little bit now, um, how can our listeners who like most of the people that are listening to this podcast now are female identifying students in college, um, just like Ingrid and I. So how can they start prepping now for maybe a future um, in entrepreneurship? Like maybe they don't have an idea for a specific company now, but they want to start kind of getting dipping their toes in the water. Yeah, I would definitely be patient. Um, 
figure out what you're passionate about now, get a job in an industry that you are passionate about. What if it, so for example, it is health and wellness, like go work for a health and wellness company. If it is skincare, go work for a skincare company. Um, Finding where your passion is, getting into that industry and then just learning and taking your time and know that like, if you do have an amazing idea, it will come to you. And then you'll, you know, you don't know next steps to move forward, but getting a job where you're learning the industry and getting inspired, I think is most important. Then you can always start building a business on the side while you have a full-time job too, while you have the security of, you know, a paycheck every single month, while you're doing some research and playing with some things and playing with branding or testing products, you can be doing that all on the side. I love that. Um, So our next question is also on advice as well. Um, But what advice would you give to your younger self now, given where you are today? In what capacity? In regards to entrepreneurship and goals um, and accomplishments. I think, again, going back to being patient, um, my six, my sister is five years younger for me. And I feel like we're always talking about uh, patience and being in the present moment. Um, we see a lot of things that seem to be overnight successes, truly. Um, I know on like the influencer side of things, that's a little bit different. There can be certain things that just pop off and hit. But a lot of times it's because someone is like honing their craft and really good at what they're doing. So for example, like Alex Earl, right? Like she's popped off, she's huge now. But if you look back on it, like she, like her videos are really good and she keeps producing videos and she keeps producing things that people like. So you, you can pop off and have your five minutes of fame and, and not really feed into it to grow and it can be over, or you can keep going in that direction. And then for a lot of companies, like ClearSim's been around for six years, but we've like really popped off in the last year, year and a half. And people are like, oh my gosh, are you a newer company? It's like, what we've been around for, we've been building for six years, building this community. And so a lot of companies truly look like overnight successes. When if you Google and look up how long they've been around, there's a lot of brands that have been around for 10, 12 years that seem like they just popped off overnight. And so just like, Brands really have an inflection point between their eight and 10 year mark. Like that's average. That's when they like really start to get it because it takes time to grow your brand, to build a community, to like really just build like strong, amazing products. It takes like multiple iterations. So be patient. If you have an idea, keep working on it, but know that to build a long standing quality product and brand and high demand, it does take time. Yeah. I really love that. Whether it's a personal brand or a product brand. Yeah. I really love that advice because I feel like a lot of times, especially with social media now, it feels like we're just kind of like seeing a highlight reel. So you don't, that's why I love like talking to founders and people like you, because you really get to know like people, I would have no idea that looking at like the clear STEM Instagram now that like you guys were bottling some of the first products and like doing all that. So you really (laughs) just get to know the behind the scenes and it really does require so much more work than what you maybe see in 30 seconds. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's a lot of brands that look really cool and it's like, oh, that looks so much fun. But like, I don't, I don't have time to share all the things that go wrong all the time on clear stuff. You know, we share like funny things that go wrong and stuff, but there's like stuff on the daily where it's like this and this, and oh, this is broken on the website. Got to fix it. Like it's, it's non-stop things are going right. And things are going wrong or broken or like, 
always. And that's for every single brand. There's always all this stuff going on behind the scenes that you don't see. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to switch gears a little bit and go into our rapid fire question segment. So this is just a segment where we're going to ask you like a series of a couple questions and you can just answer with whatever kind of the first thing that comes to your head. So the first question is, what is something that no one would expect about you? Oh, okay. First thing that comes, I'm just going to go with my automatic response. (laughs) And I don't know if this is obvious or not. I am like obsessed with really weird wellness things. Like the weirder the wellness it is, I <laughs> want to try it truly. Like um, I was doing like before cold plunges were cool. I've been doing cryotherapy mm-hmm. for like six years. Like I've been like putting like literally when people are like, what are you doing? Um, if it's like, yeah, the weirder the wellness thing, I'm just so intrigued by it so mm-hmm. much. I love that. Okay. Next question is morning routine. What is your morning routine and what look, what does it look like? (laughs) So I've changed my morning routine up so much over the years. I feel like when I had a lot more time in the mornings, it was definitely longer. Like for a period of time, I was talking to my boyfriend about this the other day. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm not this person anymore. I used to literally (laughs) wake up at like 4 50 or 5 a.m. and work out. I'm like, what? No, I sleep in until like 6 50, 7, usually 7 o'clock now. Um, I need my like solid eight, eight and a half hours of sleep um, or else I don't function. But I usually, literally used to wait. I used to have like a three hour morning routine. I'd wake up at like 5 a.m., work out, journal, meditate, make breakfast, like this whole thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think my life was a lot less stressful at the time. So I had like three hours, but literally I would get tired in the middle of the day because I'm like, I literally just had like a three hour morning. I can imagine. I do, I do one hour of work and I'm like, I've been like doing things for four hours. Yeah, it's but like really, midday I, at 10. Yeah, yeah. literally. And I technically only done like an hour's worth of work, but I was like exhausted because I'd been like, quote, working for four hours because three of that was my morning routine. So now my morning routine is really, really simplified. I literally wake up at seven, um, where I work. Well, first thing I always drink water. Well, okay. First, first thing I go tongue scrape and brush my teeth because it freaks me out. I'm wake up really thirsty and it freaks me out to drink water before I brush my teeth because quick fun fact, again, back to my weird wellness things. Um, 90% of your toxins, like while you're sleeping actually end up on your tongue. And so if you don't scrape it off, you just drink back down those toxins every single morning. Sorry, guys, go buy a tongue scrape right now. So I actually I like- just got one like last week. So now I'm like, yes. okay. And then, okay, you won't be able to go back after that. It's kind of like, if you floss for like two straight weeks, then like you're so addicted to the feeling of flossing that you like can't go back and you feel weird about flossing. Yeah. It's like that feeling <laughs> times 10. <laughs> you won't be able to stop tongue scraping. <laughs> so I like, I always want to drink water first thing. So that's what gets me out of bed is like tongue scraping, brushing my teeth, drink my water. And then I lay back in bed. <laughs> I don't get up. I lay back in bed for probably like 15, 20 more minutes. I don't spring out of bed at all. And I like, I'll, I know it's supposed to look at your phone first thing in the morning, but I usually like glance. Sometimes I'll just kind of like lay there and th- I like think and visualize the day. And I'll like visualize getting up, working out, just kind of mentally walk through my day in my head. Then I usually look at my phone. I don't open social media at all though. I'll check like some texts and see like what needs to be answered now, what I'm just going to answer later. Um, basically making sure like no fires need to be put out. I do like, do I need to spring out of bed and run to my laptop right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And then like briefly look over my calendar to be like, okay, I'm going to work out. Okay. I'm good for the day. So then I, um, so I drink my water. I go downstairs. I work out. I do like really simple 30 to 40 minute workouts. I don't like to overcomplicate it. I'll do like at home Pilates. Um, and then I will, there's a coffee shop, like walking distance. So my boyfriend and I will walk and go get coffee. And that's our time to like, just like reflect and talk about the day and try and get some connection time in before, my day becomes insanely busy. So I like, then I get back for my coffee and then it's like right in front of the laptop for the day. I've gotten to the point where my days are like eight hours worth of meetings. So I do really like a slower and relaxing morning of just kind of like setting the tone, walking, working out, drinking my water, not looking at social before my day gets really intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. There's definitely some things I'm gonna jot down to add to mine. So I yes. but it's fun. It's fun to doing. test things out. Like I said, I spent years like te- like testing out morning routines, like trying different meditative apps. Like I test out so many things, and I think morning routines like really change for the season of life that you're in. Yeah. So just like get into a groove of what morning routine your like works best for you, and then don't feel shame around like listening to a podcast and someone telling you they're like really intense two, three hour morning routine and be like, Oh my God, I'm not doing that. Like, no, like find your balance of your morning routine. And that makes you really happy and whatever makes you happy for your morning routine. Like that's it. Stick to that until the season of life changes up and it's time to revisit what it looks like. Yeah. That's a really good point. Okay. So who is your favorite entrepreneur or leader? Cool. Um, I love Sarah Blakely from Spanx. Um, I look up to her so much. Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say she's the one I look up to the most. I I love Sarah Blakely. I also (laughs) love, I think I like follow her either on Instagram or LinkedIn and she she always posts like her coffee cup with the different quotes. I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) Yeah. I love her coffee mug quotes. (laughs) Okay. So next question. Um, I know you kind of mentioned some books and podcasts, but what is your ultimate favorite book or podcast or both? I cycle in and out of these things too. Like what form am I going to absorb information in? (laughs) So Sometimes I'm like really craving reading a physical book. Sometimes it's an audio book. Sometimes like that feels like way too long form for me. And then I love podcasts. So favorite books. I like the one that I changed my life the most. And now I'm going to blank on it. I'm going to look it up. It's Glennon. (laughs) It's Glennon Doyle's book. Um, Hold on. I need to look this up. Glennon Doyle literally transformed my life. And I can't even remember the name. That's what (laughs) Oh, Untamed. Untamed. I absolutely love that book. I think at any season of life you're in, it can really not only inspire you, but give you the perspective of there's so many ups and downs in life. And we find joy when we can understand that and find almost the beauty in the lows because you know the high, like it's going to get better after that and you know you're strong enough to get through it. And so I think Untamed, amazing, amazing book. Love that. Um, I'm on a podcast kick now. Dep- again, it depends what mood I'm in. So I'm the kind of person that definitely searches for people's names or subjects in podcasts. Mm-hmm. So if there's someone I've recently seen 
um, somewhere, whether it is on social media or heard about them. And I'm like really inspired by their story or like, for instance, I love Dr. Amen. He's the brain doctor. Um, so I looked up two podcasts literally this weekend that he was interviewed on to listen, to like learn more about him and like all of his work he does with the brain. So I usually like find people and look up subjects that I like to listen to. And that's when I'm in the mood for learning. And then sometimes I'm just in the mood to like laugh and I'll find like a pop culture one or if I just kind of be like I love mystery murder mysteries all the things so then I'll find like a true crime podcast if I just need like just something fun to listen to that's not work related like growth is amazing but like sometimes you're like overstimulated by growth and learning things all the time that you just like your brain needs something different so I like to I like to switch it up Love that. Okay. This could be the most important question. What is your favorite <laughs> clear stem product? Ooh. The, oh, okay. I'm tied between two. <laughs> okay. Um, Clarity creates the most change in your skin for sure. Like without a doubt, whether it's acne, scars, wrinkles, pigmentation, clarity is literally creates most change with all those brightens skin tone, evens it out, improves texture. But I also am so obsessed with hydration in my skin. And so I love literally bathing in the Hydraberry sleep mask. So I, I cannot live if I had like two products for the rest of my life, it would be those two products. So if someone was listening and they want to go buy their first clear stem product, what would that be the products that you recommend? Yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, the, the clear kit is definitely like, you'll see it's four products and you'll have the most change to your skin. Like within, I mean, within like one use of the clear kit the next day, like you will see a, a positive change in your skin. But if you had to start with one product, I would say if you're struggling with any like acne, blackheads, want to smooth out any wrinkles, whether you have like any pigmentation or melasma, clarity, I would hundred percent start with that. And then if you really just want an amazing moisture mask, your skin's really dry and you just want like a really hydrated, glowy look, I would go Hydraberry. Well, that's amazing. Okay. Well, I'm getting excited for me to try something out. <laughs> um, okay. So our next and final question that we ask every guest who comes on our podcast is what does founding fearless mean to you? Founding fearless means to me that you just, you keep pushing no matter what, like you really do have to remove the fear from what you do or else nothing will get accomplished. If I felt fear around anything with building clear stem, we would never be able to move forward. And so you really have to separate that because a lot of times fear it's just, it's fear of the unknown. It's fear of what other people will think. It's all outside things like that you create and you create all these stories in your head of why you can't do something or why it's not possible, but it's all story creation. And if you can remove all of that and just be like, this is going to work out for me in the way it's supposed to, and, and not care what other people think or what's going to happen. If you can remove that, like you're unstoppable. Love I love that. that. I think that's probably one of my favorite uh, founding fearless, what that means to you <laughs> response. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Before you go, where can people find you and Danielle and support ClearStem and everything like on social and website? 
Yes, you can find me um, on all social channels at Kaylee.Christina. You can find Danielle at Danielle the Acne Guru. And then ClearStem on all social media platforms, ClearStem Skincare and ClearStemSkincare.com. Before you leave, I wanted to tell you about a special offer. So Kaylee gave us a discount code for the Founding Fearless community. Use code FEARLESS on the ClearStem website for a percentage off of your purchase. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to subscribe and follow the Founding Fearless podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to like, rate, and leave us a review.